The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There's a lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea when I'm tossed it sends out a light that I might see and the light that shines in Bible, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 6 through 7. The book of Leviticus will simply knock your socks off. I read this morning a quote by, I think it was Barber, uh, that said, you cannot appreciate the New Testament unless you know the Old Testament. What we have in America is a bunch of New Testament Christians that have no idea who God is. All they know is who Jesus is. But Jesus came specifically as a lamb. And he's coming back, not like the lamb. Jesus is not coming. You're not going to see a little baby Jesus. You're going to see uh, him come back in flaming fire to take wrath upon them that know not God and obey not the gospel. Read read it. And uh, Jesus is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back as Jehovah God of the Old Testament. And uh, he's coming back as a holy God. Yes, he is. He came back. He came the first time as a lamb to give his life as a sacrifice for you and for me. He was gentle, the gentle Savior. But that's not the Jesus that's coming back. Jesus is coming back. is coming back to judge this old wicked world once and for all. Put his feet on the Mount of Olives, split it apart, set his kingdom up for 1,000 years to rule with a rod of iron the nations of the world. And, and uh, boy, I'm going to tell you, those that will be a great thousand years. Woo, doggies, that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. That's why when you're laying there dying, getting ready to go to heaven, I don't feel too bad for you if you're a born-again Christian. When I heard Marty got sick and died, I was jealous. I thought, man, he gets to go to heaven that early? I think Marty and I are about the same age. I'm 64. And... Uh, Leviticus 17, I was reading through this. I've never done a sermon before. This is new for me. And Leviticus 17, 6 through 7. The priest shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and burn the fat for sweet savor unto the Lord. And they shall no more offer their sacrifices, I want you to underline that, unto devils, after whom they have gone a whoring. This shall be a statue forever unto them throughout their generations. Who is he speaking to? The heathen? No. He's speaking to his people. His people. There's a strong denial of the supernatural and spiritual in our time. In the New Testament, there's only about 34 recorded miracles that Jesus actually did, and about 48 parables. 25% of those 34 miracles, however, had direct relationship to demons, 
to as a new as the King James says devils or demons. Yet among Bible believers, how little is said about the spiritual war that we're going through and when they come into physical illnesses and other troubles. I hear a lot of talk about medicine and natural holistic cures and potions and eating right. I do not hear much about, and you don't hear much about, the spiritual realm that we are in. And yet the Bible makes much of the spiritual realm. The Bible gives a lot of credit to the spiritual realm in what we live. Now I'm not talking about a demon under behind every tree and under every rock. But I am speaking about a recognition and reaction to real demonic presence in our lives. I'm referring to the invisible war that we are engaged in at this moment and that we will be engaged in the rest of our lives on this old world. If the Bible is true, and I believe it is, then there are basically only two major forces in the world. You have the force of light, the force of, which is God, and then you have the force of darkness or devils or demons. There's only one devil, but there's many demons. The force of darkness is active and God is active. Everyone is either in one camp or the other. I know that the, the lost and the unbelieving would like to say that this is not so and doesn't happen and doesn't exist and that there's no real two camps, there's many different roads to heaven, and no matter if you have good sincerity and a, and a, and a tender heart, that God will just somehow, when you get up there, say, hey, you know, it's okay. You're part, of, you're part of the family. Hey, Vinny, you come on in. Or Vito, you come in. But I mean, you know, it's like the good old boys. It's not going to be like the good old boys. And so you are in one camp tonight or the other. You are in the camp of darkness tonight, or you in the camp of the light. The only way you can get into camp of light is through new birth. Except you're born again, you'll not even see the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to be part of that. God has put his seed in you, which is the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're not? That the Holy Spirit dwelleth in you? I mean, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Holy Spirit is what makes us saved. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. So when you when you place your simple faith in Christ and his finished work, and God says yes and, and births you, that is when the Holy Spirit comes in and forever, biblically now, not Baptist, biblically, seals you under the day of redemption. I was saved by faith, not works, and I'm not going to be lost by works. But I'll tell you one thing, as a born-again Christian, if I decide not to live for God, and I can, God is going to whip the tarnation out of me. First, the Hebrews chapter 12 does not apply to the world, does not apply to those children of darkness. Hebrews chapter 12 only applies to children of light. And I don't know if you were raised by a dad like I was, but brother, when the belt came off, uh, something broke loose. And we got us a whipping that you could remember. I, you know, he made memories with us. People say, I don't remember much of my childhood. I don't either, but I do remember the whippings. You don't accidentally get in the kingdom of darkness. You're born there. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. He had nothing against his mother. He just knew his mother was a sinner, 
and sinners have sinners. And as much as I know that you two young couple want to have children, and eventually, by the grace of God, we'll have children over here, over there, your little kid's going to be a wicked, vile, mean sinner. Now, don't you shake your head. Don't you the girls going over there going, not my girl, not my kid. Oh, yeah, I've heard all that before. I never taught my son to lie, but he lied. I never taught him to steal, he stole. I never taught him to do deceptive things, but he did. But, you know, and I said, man, Kelly, he's taking after you again. If you're, if you're born again through Jesus Christ and trusted in the shed blood and the resurrection from the dead for your sins with all your heart, and you, you're part of the kingdom of light, you're inhabited by God, you're not of this world. I like that. You're just passing through. But your body is of this world. This body cannot go to heaven. It cannot. It is not welcome in heaven. This body would pollute heaven. This body is of this earth, earthy, and it must stay here. And that is why I preach a sermon called The Beauty of Death. Death releases the child of God out of this corruptible to the incorruptible. Your worship, you worship as a Christian in true living God and spirit and in truth. Everyone else either worships however they worship outside of Jesus Christ and his salvation are worshiping according to Leviticus. Who are they worshiping? Devils, demons, demons, demons. That's what it says, doesn't it? Verse 7 there, and no more offer their sacrifice unto devils. And I'll give you a few other verses as we go along. The context is referring to the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. Egypt's always a type of the world. When God's children were in Egypt, they picked up the habits and, of Egypt and they began to worship the gods of Egypt. I mean, obviously, when, when, when Moses was up in the mountain for 40 days and they, they went to uh, Aaron and said, oh, we're going back to, I don't know what happened to this Moses, but we're going back and make us God. And he made that calf, which was of a god of, of course, uh, Egypt. They, were, they, they already had all that. It was already there. They had been worshiping over in Egypt, worshiping devils. Who they, and I, I like God's expressionisms. Who they went a whoring after. I like that. Father, the Bible is not X-rated. If it says it, I'm for it. I think your child can read it at any age. I think they need to get some rawness in their vocabulary. And that's the way God pictures people worshiping false gods, as if a man, what a man would think about his wife going out and committing immorality on him. It's a betrayal of trust. Well, all these were defined as worshiping devils. So, I, and by the way, it don't make any difference what name they called them. <clears throat> uh, worship must be according to God's way using his name uh, without permission is not his way. I mean, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel sometimes would worship idols uh, in the name of Jehovah. 
They would have a feast on Jehovah, worship idols. They were worshiping Jehovah, but not his way. You with me? That's going on today all over the place. All the mega church movement, the Rick Warren movement, all that movement, Bill Hybels movement, that's what that is. Worshiping God their way. They've made it their way. They, brother, if they got strict to this book, those places would empty out. If they put me in a mega church, I could help them. Why? Because a lot of those people attending there don't want to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. They want their ears tickled. They want to be told how wonderful life's going to be and how their family's going to turn out and how the kids are going to be wonderful and how things are up, up, up and, and how God wants you healthy and wealthy and wise, you know. You tell them what the Bible says. You read verse, oh, whatever you do, don't go to Leviticus. Well, if you read Leviticus 18, you dump out all the homosexuals. When God calls it an abomination, all, they, all the homosexuals in that group would leave. Or maybe they'd get saved. How about that? They get saved. Some of them do get saved. It's a, it's a form of immorality. Uh, do not be easily fooled. Just because someone talks a lot about Jesus, a lot about God, a lot about the Lord, a lot about the Bible, does not mean that they are worshiping God. Take your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. You old veterans don't need to go there. You know what it's going to be. But you folks that may not know what that is, you want to mark that. You want to know that place. Paul says to the Corinthians, which, by the way, were idol worshipers. You know, they were worshiping devils. They got saved. And began to worship God. Now they were ignorant. You, you grow. Everybody grows. You start out. You start out ignorant, and you got to go to knowledge. Everybody starts out ignorant. You got to go to knowledge. And there, in that period of growth, you do some stupid stuff. You say some stupid stuff. Everybody does that. We all have to go through the time of growth. So you don't hold it against a young believer for making some mistakes. You don't. You don't hold it against a young believer for saying some stupid stuff. I mean, they don't know. Just like your little three-year-old, you don't whip them because you can't recite the times tables. You know what I mean? They get out of high school, can't read, whip them. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth, under two words, circum, another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel, which we have not accepted, you might well bear with him. What does that teach? That we have a propensity for error. It's a sad thing. What this verse is teaching is the Corinthians, even as Christians, had a propensity to believe error over truth. Now, that's, that's deep. They have a propensity to want to accept another Jesus, another spirit, or another gospel before the true spirit, before the true Jesus and the true gospel. And then go down in that same chapter there in verse 13, 15. For such are false, we're talking about these people who bring in these false teachings, contrary to the word of God, for such are false apostles, 
deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. All I can tell you, he doesn't mamby-pamby and pussyfoot over these, over these people that come in and teach contrary to the Bible. Because what's he say after this will make that as clear as crystal. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Folks, it is a serious thing as born-again Christians that you do things God's way. It is a serious thing that you find out what that way is. It takes time to learn that. And, and you may stumble around, and you may make some mistakes. You may fall, and everybody does. Man, riding a bicycle, you know. I told this story before, but I'm getting old, and I can repeat myself, and nobody bothers. It doesn't bother you. Expect it. But Troy, I, I bought a little bicycle, and, and this was in Greenville, South Carolina. I bought a little bicycle at Sears, put it all together. I love that. And I put the bike together, you know, and my my wife, did they just nuke Fort Myers or what? Uh, my wife, uh, you know, has always kind of been a little protective. You know, as a young man, I had Troy Young. I was 19 years old. I, was, I, I could say maybe in my youth and in my zeal, I was a little tough on him. I'm about ready to have kids at this stage of life. I think I've mellowed enough now that I think I could have children. Don't you think, you know, Gillespie, what I'm talking about exactly, don't you? But that's not God's way. He lets you have the kids when you are as mean as a rattlesnake. And so I have, I put the bike together, you know, mechanic, try it out myself, try a little, you know, it's real small. I try to ride it, two wheels, not a three wheel, two wheel, and I put the kid on, he falls over. I put the kid on, he falls over. Put the kid on, he falls over. Put the kid on, he falls over. Get out myself, wheel around. A little, you know, I'm, I'm on this little bike. There's nothing wrong with the bike, man. It's good. And I wheel around a little bit, and, and I put it on, he falls over. I, tell, I said, our child is retarded. We have an educably slow disabled child. It must come from your side of the family. And I tell you what, this kid is, and of course, he's crying. We're supposed to be out there having fun. It's a family day. You know, he's crying. I say, shut up. I'm going to whip you, boy. And and then get on that bike and ride that bike. Pretty soon I'm yelling at him to ride the bike, you know. And and then she's she's crying. Kathy's crying, grabbing. Now, you know, be easy on me, you know. Bill, 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 Bill. And by the way, this is from a whole neighborhood. Finally, I take the bike and I take the two the two pedals, and you can barely move them things. I mean, them things are like when I got my weight on it, I could move it, but when I tried to take my hand, I had over tightened the sprocket. It was my fault. I loosened the sprocket. He jumped on that, rode down the road. <laughs> I told my wife I shouldn't have had any children. I am just too mean to have kids. And she goes. I mean, there's a time you have to learn. 
God is gracious to us in our growing period. He's merciful in our growing period, or we wouldn't make it. I mean, he'll give you time to sell. But, brother, if your heart's true, if you want to worship God in spirit and in truth, in the right way, and you'll seek the word of God, and you'll, you'll ask him to help you not go astray and to do it the right way, you don't care about what's politically correct. You don't care what works. You care what's right. You won't be out there worshiping devils. Because every other worship that isn't God's way is worshiping devils in some form or fashion. You see, you, now, Brother Bill, you mean to tell me that the Buddhists worship devils? Yes. The Hindus worship devils? Yes. The Jehovah Witnesses worship devils? Yes. The Mormons worship devils? Yes. Uh, the Hare Krishnas worship devils? Yes. Uh, the Shintoists worship devils? Yes. There's, there's, I don't know how many religions there have been categorized in the world, or maybe a thousand. It don't make any difference. Why? Because how many falses can you have? Lots of them. But you're going to have one truth. And by characteristic and definition, truth is singular. And that's why, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Not two, not three, not four. He's one. It said in Deuteronomy chapter 32, it says they sacrificed unto the devils, not to God, to gods whom that knew not, the new gods that came up newly, and whom, whom your fathers feared not. Of that rock, of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. Denying God's hand and making you in creation is, found, is fundamental in worshiping devils. From one end of the Bible to the other, the Bible says God created. Listen to me. God created the heavens and the earth. God created you. You did not evolve. The Bible never hints to evolution. It don't, it don't in any way try to define. Evolution is the doctrine of demons. Evolution is a doctrine of seducing spirits. How do I know it's seducing? Because it takes intelligent people and dumbs them down to the place that they actually believe this stuff. And if you believe evolution, you've got to have more faith than we have. Or global warming. I do believe in global warming, however. In 2 Peter, when it says the earth will catch on fire, that was good, brother. There's finally going to be global warming when everything burns up. Jeroboam's worship was a worship of devils. 2 Chronicles eleven fifteen, And he ordained him priests from the high places and for the devils and for the calves which they had made. Now get this. They did not think that they were worshiping the devil. They thought they were worshiping God. All of the thing was a happy spirit. All of the people who worship outside of the light think they're doing good. They rarely ever think they're actually worshiping the devil. There's not a large group in the world that directly worships Satan. There is a group that worships Satan. Uh, you know, the, the Church of Satan, and there's a few churches called the Church of Jesus Christ of... Oh, I forgot the name of it. The Church of Jesus Christ of the Psyche. They worship Satan directly. They do seances. They have... Uh, 
where they form in uh, ectoplasm or whatever the word they call that stuff. Uh, they actually have forms come up. There's real power in that black magic. There's real, and there's some actual prophecy that they learn about. And and soothsayers, listen, the Bible doesn't warn against all that stuff if nobody ever does it. Make sense to you? I mean, if it says beware when you go into the land that you don't get infected with the same stuff that these people have been infected with, and it, and it tells you that they were infected with soothsaying and horoscopes and all this other stuff and witches, that means it must be real popular. What happened? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Well, the New Testament, what does it say? Well, first, what was Jesus' attitude about demons and devils? He, Jesus recognized the devils and demons and talked to them. He ordered them not to reveal him because they knew who he was. He cast them out. They were afraid of him. They reverenced him. They prayed to him for mercy and thought he would give it. Uh, uh, they had power. Uh, uh, they had power. The demons did over human over the human body. They had power over some people's speech. They had power over people's sight. They had power over people's movement. They had power over people's mind. They had power over people's strength. Being that guy that seven sons of Sceva, and they said uh, they tried to cast a demon out of that old boy, and that demon in that guy says, "Well, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know." But who are you? The Bible says that guy in whom the demon was rose up and whipped the tar out of them boys where they went out of that place naked and wounded. Brother, when you come up to a demon, if you ever have to face demonology face to face, you better be prayed up, brother. Mark chapter 1 verse 34 said, He healed many that were sick, diverse diseases, and cast out many devils. Suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Mark 1.39, he preached in the synagogue throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Mark 16.9, now when Jesus was risen early, first day of the week, he appeared first unto Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. I've met a few of them women. I think I've met some women with maybe a dozen devils. Luke chapter 8, verse 30 said, Jesus answered and said, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. As a gathering maniac, and they besought him that he would not command them to go into the deep. And he brought him unto him, and when he saw him straight with his spirit, tear him and fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming. What did the apostles think about devils? The apostles battled with the forces of darkness and cast out devils, speaking to them sometimes, suffering from them sometimes. First Corinthians, I want you to turn to this because this is a very powerful verse. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20. I'm talking to you about something tonight that the world as a majority do not even believe in. But in their ignorance are worshiping. 1 Corinthians 10, 20 says, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, what's it say? They sacrifice the devils and not to God. And I would not that you have fellowship with devils, with demons. There were demons in, 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 the, in the translation, but I, devils, I understand where it's at. Demons, 
First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines, teachings of demons. Uh, it, 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 uh, let me make sure I get the verse right. It's Mark chapter 9, verse... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 19 says, That thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Consequently, a sermon called Demon Faith. Demons got more faith than people walking the street. Revelation chapter 9, verse 20, The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and the idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, neither can they see them. How, in, in, how dedicated are people to the worship of devils? To the place in chapter 9 when, when God's wrath falling directly upon them to make their life absolutely miserable, instead of repenting to God that they worship devils, they take their fists and they curse God. Wow. Wow. Fifty-five times in the Bible the word devils appears. Some questions I have as we end. If God is true and truth is singular, then there is only one truth. Error, darkness, and lies can be multiple as your imagination will create them. Based on what we have just read briefly and seen briefly in here, true worship is in spirit and truth based on Jesus Christ and what the Bible says about him. Does that all make sense? False worship in any other name or even in Jesus' name, but not the Bible Jesus. Are you with me on that? Even in the Holy Spirit's name, but not in the Holy Spirit of the Bible. Even in the Gospel's name, but not the Gospel of the Bible. You can swim all around it, but you got to be part of it. God said, basically, you can use my name falsely. You, you can use my name. With, by the way, you can use my name without permission, and you do. How do I know? I hear back. One of the biggest things about having employees working for you is that if they don't have credibility uh, with people to try to get something done, they'll say, well, Pastor Lytell said. I got a rule at the gospel. You do not use my name in vain. If you don't have credibility, don't use my name. You use your own name. You know, I say that you can't do it. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Well, Pastor Lytell said you could. But don't make it up. And sometimes they'll say stuff I haven't said or didn't understand where I was coming from. It happens. It's a common mistake. And, and you know, we can say, people can go out there and for credibility's sake use Jesus' name all they want, but have another agenda. Have an agenda that's not biblical. An agenda that's not right. You think there are charlatans on TV trying to get people's money? Hello. Be careful how you worship God. Make sure you worship Him according to His way, His word, His perspective. And the only way you'll do that is to know this book. And that's why central to everything we do here at the gospel is read this Bible. See, I don't want you to quote me, Pastor Lytell said this, Pastor Lytell said this. How about you say, 
The old King James Bible says this. Amen. I want you to take your Bible and say, this is what says it. Pastor Lytell agrees with it. By the way, if Pastor Lytell don't agree with this, then go with this. If Pastor Lytell don't agree with this, go with this. You heard it yourself. Don't. Listen, I may go crazy. I may have a stroke and, and, and start preaching that, that women ought to be the head of the family. You know, if I start preaching that, I have plumb gone crazy. Brother, I've had a lot of good preachers I loved and, and listened to that, you know, they would make some statements and I'd go, what? That's not biblical. That's not right. As much as I loved them, as much as I was, was highly respectful of what God had been doing through them, when they deviate off the Bible, I'm sticking with the book. Be careful. Be careful that we worship. What's a fundamentalist? A fundamentalist is a person who believes in the literal, natural reading of the Bible, and they seek simply to follow it. They just want to simply follow what it says. And we can deviate a little bit on, on, on small stuff, but it won't be on much. I can go to Honduras, find a fundamentalist that believes the Bible, we're going to be real close. I can go to China and find a fundamentalist that believes the Bible, we're going to be real close. I, I can go to Russia and find a fundamentalist that believes the Bible in a literal, natural, normal sense, and we're going to be real close. I can go anywhere in the world. I'm not just blowing smoke here tonight. This is the truth. Fundamental Bible believers are identified because they believe the Word of God is, is from God, like it, like our brother just quoted. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word breathe upon. Glory. And what God inspires, He preserves. God's preserved His word. We have it. And He's holding us responsible. May God help us. You say, brother, you said some hard things tonight. Well, don't be mad at me. You get mad at God because everything I've said comes out of this book. I haven't said anything tonight that I know of that I would want to recall or change, except that bicycle story. I would like to go back and redo that. I mean, you know, I mean, there's no redoing that. And Troy, I, Troy's forgiven me long ago. I'm not sure Kathy has, but I think I've had to ask forgiveness a lot in life. It never, it sticks right here. I'm going to keep asking forgiveness. So someday I never have to again. And that'll be after death. Father, help us tonight. Help us as we as we go. We're going to Zion. We're moving. We're like in a river, man. We're moving. We're going to Zion. Uh, we're going to the celestial city. Some, some of us in this room can see the light of the city tonight. Help us as we go there to do right till the stars fall, to do the right thing, to follow you in honest and spirit and truth, an honest heart, tender to the Holy Spirit's moving. May Father, we just, in the midst of this world who's gone crazy, may we be the lights of the world. The darker the night, the brighter the light has been said. And that's true. We will become more obvious to the world as they go into the darkness than we ever have before. Help us to point them to the light 
Help us to point them to Jesus Christ. May those 50 young people make decisions. And as we seek to do follow-up on them, may, Lord God, you do a mighty work in the moms and dads that some of them would get saved. And the, and the brothers and sisters would get saved. And there'd be a revival and a breakout of the Spirit of God here to where we fill the place up with new believers, hungry for the Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.